This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Praise the Lord. Well, glory to God. God is good. Amen. You may be seated. Apostle Thea, Dr. Bev, it's been a long journey. I, uh, I joined, well, let me put it this way. I was 27 years of age. I had blonde hair like Apostle Thea. I wore jeans. I wore a T-shirt. And uh, my mom dragged me. Actually, it wasn't my mom. It was those demons, sorry, those deacons that pulled me into the church. Uh, and uh, I heard the drums playing, the guitars playing. And this was church. And uh, there I'm, I was birthed into a miracle environment. The first miracle I saw, Apostle, Apostle Theo prayed for a 15-year girl who was born deaf and dumb. I knew nothing about healings. And uh, he just put a microphone in front of this little girl and said, say something in the mic. And she said, thank you, Jesus, for healing me. And everybody's going crazy, just going bananas. And I thought, what's going on? What's going on? And they said she was born deaf and dumb. Hallelujah. So I was introduced and I sat there not knowing anything. I realized that God was in this place. That's what I wanted. That's what I'm birthed in. It's now my season. Amen. Amen. So I honor Apostle Thea, Dr. Bev. Our family loves you. We appreciate you. You know how to take care of the young men. And so thank you so much. We really appreciate that. Thank you. Would you please give... A hand to Apostle. Yana Morita Babastunde Biliano Onkai and Dai Katashtamandi Valardo Greshenardo Mananda. I came down that bicycle down from the top. I sat right at the top, and Pastor Theo said, For you to be full of the Holy Spirit, or the sign of being full of the Holy Spirit, is that you need to speak in tongues. I didn't know what that was about, but I was, uh, I was in Ryan at uh, Bonkers meeting, and he prayed for us, and we all fell over, but I never spoke in tongues. And you know what? I ran down from the back seat, ran right to the front. Pastor Thea and Pastor Bev, it's your fault, Pastor Bev. She prayed for me, and I can't stop. I just can't stop. I've just said, God had baptized me and given me the gift of being able to pray in tongues and not, not to play with it, but there to pray for souls, to pray for the man of God, to pray for the woman of God, to pray for the family. And, and God's used me over the 42 years to do that. And I'll continue to do that because that's the call. Every fivefold minister, if you are not a prayer, you need to be ashamed of yourself. Amen. Well, the rest of you, you're still growing, okay? So that's fine. Father, I just thank you for your anointing, your life, and your power that flow through my mouth this very day, that every ear that hears the word of God will be uplifted, will be encouraged, will be strengthened. Hope will come into their lives, Father, and this season that we're in right now is going to transform lives like never before by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Well... Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 says, I'm going to lead you down, just give you a foundation here. And uh, Prophet Wellington, young man of God, prophet of God, 
profit in the marketplace. I love it because there are going to be more and more people released into the marketplace in the fivefold office that God has given us. Amen. You need to function in the marketplace, not just behind the pulpit. Your pulpit is the marketplace. And so now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Say king. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king? Remember, we've been hearing we are in Christ, Christ in us. We're the body of Christ. We express Christ through us. So when we talk about Jesus, he didn't become a king. He was born a king. Say that, born a king. Born a king. He was born a king. And when you and I got born again, we were born kings. And they said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And in John 19, Pilate said, shall I crucify your king? Matthew 27, 37, and they put over his head the accusation written against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. I'm trying to get a word into your spirit man, the word king. Say with me, king. And obviously, Revelation 5 says that God has made you and me a king and a priest unto God. Shout amen. amen. I'll tell you what, Wellington, you just preached my message. I could have sat down and you could have gone on. Maybe I should have given you my time. Isaiah 53 says, He is despised, rejected by men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. Now, when the prophet brings a message, it relates to you. Hello? It's a prophetic message. When Scripture comes forth, there's a prophetic revelation that is applicable to you. And if you will take it, you will change into that word. That word will put on flesh, and your life will move forward. Progress. Advance. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Jesus is our example, yes? Right. Luke 9 says, Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He steadfastly set his face. I'll read the scripture later on. He was determined to go, even though he was going to face hell itself, he was going to go. One of our preachers, I don't know, yesterday, day before, wow, 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 wow. We have been blessed, church. We really have been blessed, church. I have been so edified. I came home the first night. I couldn't sleep the whole night. I said to Pastor Elsie, I said, uh, she said, aren't you going to sleep? I said, I can't sleep. I'm so worked up. The anointing was, was just operating and operating and operating, just giving life and giving life and giving life. You know that from the time of Jesus' birth, he experienced opposition from the religious kingdom, the Roman kingdom, and Satan's kingdom. And I'm mentioning kingdoms because I want to try and bring a point across in my message today. Yet, yet, he set his face like flint to go and be crucified. Could you do that? When the restrictions came and they, they said that the pastors that were, would function, they'd put you in jail. Are you willing to, to go to jail for Jesus? Would you? 
Well, some people don't even come to church for Jesus. <laughs> and I thought to myself, what is the key to Jesus' tenacity, his endurance, his refusing to give up? He had that ability that we learned early in the 80s, keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. Say that, keep on keeping on. Don't give up, church. Jesus' destiny, as we know, was the cross. Matthew 16, 21 says, From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. He knew. He had to go. Just like when the apostle Paul, when, when uh, the prophets prophesied of him, uh, the disciples warned him and said, Don't go there. Don't go there. There's danger. There's danger. He said, uh-uh, I know my destiny. I know what lays ahead of me. I know my God, I know my call, I've heard God. I haven't missed God, I've heard God. That's why it's so important, really, church, get past the fierce book on hearing the voice of God. If you haven't got it, beg, borrow, steal, do anything but get it. <laughs> no, not the stealing side. Okay. But he began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders. The elders in the church? Oh, really, do you have problems in the church with elders and chief priests, scribes? These are all guys in the church. And be killed. It's amazing the jealousy that you find in the body of Christ. Shouldn't be there. Shouldn't be there. We've all got something to do. When one of our other brothers who preaching the scripture came up to me that he says that we've got to look at Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Run your race, not someone else's. Run your race. And then Jesus said in John 12, now my soul is troubled and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. He knew his purpose. He knew his destiny. I've had opposition in these last 42 years that I've had thoughts of giving up and giving up and giving up. But I tell you what, I can't because I've heard God. God has spoken. I've heard his voice. I know my destiny. I know where I'm supposed to be. Where we miss up, God will make up for the mess ups. God knew that we'd mess up. God knew that we would make some mistakes here and there. Hello? Have you ever made a mistake, Pastor? Come to me, I'll tell you about those. <laughs> 1 John 3, 8, the Bible says, for this purpose, say purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Not be afraid of the devil. Destroy. Remember, you're in Christ. You're Adam, as we heard. <laughs> Hello. Now, were you listening to other preachers? Luke 4 says, but Jesus said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God. Not only to you, but to the other cities also, because for this purpose I've been sent. I, I have seen Apostle Theo's heart from the beginning. Heart for souls. Hot for souls, hot for souls. I, in my life, have never met a man like him, and, and I'm not blowing up, this is fact. 
I've never met a man like Apostle Theo that prays like he does. I haven't. If you read about all the great generals, we've got one here on the platform today. Jesus said, for this purpose I've been sent to preach the kingdom. So his destiny was a cross and his purpose was to destroy the works of the devil, to preach the kingdom of God and then to empower the church. Like we heard, to introduce his kingdom. And as you know, Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Say Holy Spirit, please. Someone quoted the scripture the other day, Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the human being, James from Pretoria, anointed by God with the Holy Spirit, going about doing good, healing all who are oppressed of the devil. That's you, that's you, that's you. Come on, that's you. Jesus was obedient to that. Amen. And that same scripture says, because God was with him. If you're in ministry today and God is not with you, you've got a problem. You're not, you mustn't be the prophet that went. You've got to be the prophet that was sent. You know, Jesus comes after that, that, that 18 years where we don't read much about him or nothing about him. He comes to uh, his baptism. And that's another story about the customs of the Jews those days. And then he comes and John the Baptist, who's his forerunner, sees him. And from the Spirit of God, John declares, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now see, the Hebrews were not like us. Their children could quote the Scriptures verbatim, the law. We, we can't even quote one Scripture. I remember sitting in Bible college, I couldn't find the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Thank goodness there's one called James. <laughs> so Jesus, God the Father and John the Baptist, literally ordained him at his baptism, and God the Father says as a second witness, that the Jews believed in the first witness and the second witness, there had to be two oral witnesses. And the, one was John, the other was the father who said, this is my beloved son whom, in whom I am well pleased. Pastors, same words going out there for you. Ladies, same word. God is pleased with you. And I always thought about that, but Jesus did nothing. And yet God said, I'm pleased with you. He hadn't even started his ministry. He was just about to enter into his ministry. And God already blessed him and said, you are well-pleasing in my sight. Don't let the devil lie to you. So Jesus returns in the power of the Spirit, the Bible says. He goes into the synagogue, as his custom was, and he opens up the scroll and finds a place where it is written. And he basically, the way I, I believe it, is that he goes and reads his ordination credentials. Come on, a lot of you got your doctorates, a lot of you got whatever, your degrees, uh, some of you apostles, some of you prophets, some of you, are you with me? You got your credentials. Amen. So Jesus reads his, his credentials and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. You can't go into ministry without the anointing. 
Ah, Apostle Theo said early, early 80s. He said, guys, you've got to stay under the local church, get anointed, and, and you, your, your gifts have to be proven, and thereafter, you are tested, you are tested, you are tested. You grow in ministry. I don't know. Pastor Warren, you won't believe this. I was just as tall as you. Until God got hold of me. So watch out. <laughs> now Jesus declared his ordination. Like, you know, every year the Bible schools, they, they get ordained and, and the family clap hands and everybody's happy and everyone's rejoicing. But this church didn't do that. They took him outside to kill him. Hello? When people find out you're anointed, you've got opposition, my friend. <laughs> Luke 24 says his declaration angered the religious crowd who tried to kill him by throwing him off a cliff. And then, you know, Jesus from there goes into the marketplace and he does an amazing thing. He selects his disciples out of the marketplace, not in the customary place of the school for the Jews. Don't want to go down that route, but it's just something interesting. Because Jesus was different to the other rabbis. Hello, the, the disciples knew him as a rabbi. We know him as Lord. We know him as Christ. We know him as God. They never knew him. Hello? And so they, they just, this rabbi come and said, come, follow me. Come, follow me. Come. You see, we don't understand that, but in the Hebrew culture, every Hebrew boy wanted to be in the Springbok rugby team. Every Hebrew boy wanted to be called by a rabbi to come under the teaching, come under the shadow of that, that awesome teacher. And they, their tradition says for 18 years, they would study under a well-established rabbi. So Jesus goes, gets his young disciples. Please say young. Young, young disciples. And he takes them to a place called Philippi Caesarea, to a grotto called the Gates of Hell. You can go and Google it, look on there, you'll see it's an actual place. And it's at the base of Mount Hermon. Say mountains. Say Hermon. Now it's interesting that Mount Hermon and surrounding areas has always been up until this day battlegrounds of kings. The wars are still going on there. Hello? Say with me, battleground of kings. So tradition reveals that the gates of hell was the entrance to the underworld, a meeting place of Baal worship. They worshiped the sex god Pan there, uh, supposedly resurrected. Basically, it was a red light district of the town, but just worse. There was bestiality there. There was terrible, terrible, immoral things that took place there. Sounds like America and Europe. South Africa. And I thought, well, Lord, if I just selected my youth group, would I take them to an evil, wicked place like that? And we say, God forbid, take them to the seminary or something like that, you know. Take them into the Bible school. He didn't do that. He takes them to the darkest point of hell that they knew 
through tradition, their teachings. And something amazing takes place there in front of the gates of hell. Are you ready for it? Say, I'm ready for it. It's right here in front of this place where God the Father again reveals His sons to the disciples. Not to the world. God wants to reveal Himself to you. And so He reveals Himself to the disciples. The Father does. Through, like someone said earlier on, that guy that swore so much and caught fish and didn't catch fish, that guy. Or Simon Peter. Jesus comes there in the region of Caesarea, Matthew 16, in Philippi. He asks his disciples, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, some say you're John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah, or you're one of the prophets. He had to get their thinking straightened out. And then he said, who do you say I am? I know what Apostle Theo says. I know what Dr. Theo says about God. And, and, but what do you say about God? What, what is God to you? Have you got a living, daily walk with God? Can you identify with the faithfulness of God? Can you identify with the healing uh, virtue of God, the love of God? Can you identify with that, His nature? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, we've had many, many sermons on this, but we don't understand something here. He took them right into the place where resurrected kings were supposed to be, or kings were supposed to be resurrected. They'd worship them. Like tradition today, worshiping your forefather spirits. If you're a Christian, you shouldn't be doing that. Get mad at me, it's fine. Talk to God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. What was he saying? He said, you are the Christ, you are the called one, you are the Messiah, you are the Lord of Lords, you are the King of Kings. We're talking about kings today. The battle of kings. Say with me, battle of kings. Hallelujah. What is Jesus doing here? He goes on, verse 18, he says, I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. Amen? Now you are the church, not this building. Communism can close this building down, but it won't. You are the building. Don't let communism shut you. And he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So what was Jesus doing here? I like what brother, our brother was saying. Jesus declared that he would establish his order of divine government. This divine government is going to rule through these young men that I have right in front of me here. That's the beginning of the ecclesia. See, when we think church, we think buildings and worship and all this stuff. But the, that word church is ecclesia. It means called out ones, selected ones, anointed ones. That's you. That's me. Jesus, in essence, was saying, listen to this. He would go through the gates of hell 
and set the captives free and come back alive, revealing the truth that He is the real living King of kings and Lord of lords. And we know He did that. Because Revelation says, I have the keys of hell and death. Say that. Jesus said, He's got the keys of heaven and hell. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> of hell and death and heaven, of course. And I love Revelation 19 that says, written on his robe, on his thigh, a name, King of kings and Lord of lords. And we know that Jesus conquered the powers of darkness. He conquered the powers of hell. What now? What now? Jesus did all of that and he went and sat down next to his father, rested, and he came and says, okay, guys, go for it. You go and enforce what I conquered. Say that. My job is to enforce healing in my body, finances to come, life to come to others. Now, it's interesting. The last instruction Jesus gave to his disciples when the Holy One had been taken up that they should be clothed with power from on high. And he said to them, as he, was, as he was going, he says, go to Jerusalem, wait there until you are empowered. You can't succeed in this life without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to skip a few things because I've got a short time. The disciples go into the marketplace, the healer man, and straight away, the religious people forbid them to speak in the name of Jesus. They wanted to beat them up, kill them, and, and some translation says they did. <laughs> what did they do? They went to their own company. And they didn't go and moan and groan and complain, oh, whoa, look what's happened to me. No. They told him the facts. That's what's happened. Listen, you know what? This is what the one world government is doing and, and what Pastor Theo is informing us with. He says, however... They prayed. Say that. They prayed. They prayed. They didn't go and moan and groan and complain. They didn't go and hide in the cave. They didn't go on long leave, sick leave. They prayed and they said, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word by stretching forth your hand to heal and to deliver. That signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. The Holy Servant, whatever your name is. Let God give you boldness. That's my prayer for you. Let God give you boldness to stand up in this day of today and face your giants, face your mountains. We have a responsibility. On the 11th of March, I heard these words in my spirit, the cry of the intercessor. Come on, intercessors, listen. The cry of the intercessor. There's a heavenly voice crying out. The Holy Spirit, the great intercessor, is crying out now, now, now. The same cry that brought forth every move of God since the beginning of time. It's the cry, the call to prayer. Come on, give Him praise. The Spirit within the body of Christ is crying out, souls, souls, souls. I hope you're hearing. On June the 4th, God gave me a prophetic dream and on June the 30th for this convention. It is a new era. It is a new era. 
It is a new era of signs and wonders and miracles. It's a new era of signs in the sky. Look, look, look at the stars. The harvest is ready. And then God said this to me, Jezebel is hindering the church. Shake that evil spirit off pastors. Stop waiting for someone else to preach. Get up and preach. And then listen to this. It's time for the evangelist. It's time for the soul winner. This is what God told me in the dream. It's time for the intercessor. There's a cry of the intercessor for souls, for souls, for souls. We are about to see the greatest harvest of souls the world has ever seen. Everybody's saying that. There are going to be miracles you've never seen before. Apostle Thea has been anointed in a certain way with healings and miracles. I've watched them throughout the 42 years, but there's going to be greater and mightier. The Lord said, the harvest is truly plenty, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of our harvest to send out laborers into His harvest. The psalmist says, prophesies, God promised Jesus souls. You are my son. This day I've begotten you. Whatever you ask, I'll give you the nations of the earth for your inheritance. And so the challenge that I have for all of us today is this. Can you say today, Lord, here am I, revive me? Can you say, Lord, send me, use me, use me to advance our church, Lord, the body of Christ, the kingdom of God? God wants to use you. God wants to use me. In a few months' time, I'll be 70 years of age. I'm not dead yet. I'm not dead yet. We're going forward. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.